We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 327. Our guest today is a hunter-jumper professional based in California. He grew up riding in Orange County until his lifelong dream of owning his own farm came true. He's the owner of Hunterbrook Farms, which was established in 2009, and is now located in Temecula, California. He has had wins in some of the most prestigious hunter classes in the country, including the 2022 25,000 WCHR Pro Final at Capital Challenge, uh, the $100,000 WCHR West Coast Hunter Spectacular, and the 65,000 USHJA International Hunter Derby Southwest Regional Championship in California, and so much more. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Nick Hannis. Hi, Nick. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I'm excited Super to hear. A, yeah, of course. I'm excited to hear a little bit more about your story. Um, but tell me how you first got started in the equestrian world. I first got started in the equestrian world because I basically was obsessed with horses from, I think, the longest I could ever remember from being a baby. I just loved horses. So I wow. used to have briar, briar horses as collectibles. And I, I just loved, I loved horses. I had like My Little Ponies, which is sort of, a silly, embarrassing fact, but I, I love <laughs> I love brushing the manes in their tails. And then it just kind of from there turned into real life um, horses, which was exciting. So I started riding at the age of four. Amazing. And then did you grow up on the West Coast? Yes, I grew up in Orange County, California. Amazing. So obviously kind of started your pony career and junior career and and things like that growing up. Um, obviously, now I see you over here on the west on the East Coast too, um, competing a lot as well. So yeah. tell me a little bit about how um, kind of like your younger years uh, panned out. Anything that kind of sticks out in your mind for um, high points and then maybe some learning moments? Absolutely. You know, I was very fortunate to to live close to the equestrian center where I grew up riding at. And I basically just loved being there as long as I could every single day. I spent my weekends at the barn. You know, we didn't have grooms back then. So I got really, you know, familiar with horses and, yeah. and being able to work around them at a young age was really helpful to me in my career. I think a lot of the I think great memories I have growing up was just sort of natural horsemanship and riding out on trail and, and falling off and getting back on and mm -hmm. just getting a real feel of the horses and the sense of how the horses think. I think nowadays in my professional career, being able to really connect with horses and, and try to listen to them and understand how they think and how they are is really important to my show ring success. So I, I always feel like I got I was blessed and lucky to have that kind of a childhood um, growing up, you know, the highs and lows of, of horses, you know, our sport is very humbling. There yeah. are so many great memories and, and victories and wins and equally just as many days where you're, you know, you're discouraged or things didn't go your way. So you kind of have to take the best of both and blend it all together and you get kind of a, an overall, you know, a love and passion for the sport. So that's always been something, you know, I, I cherished, you know, and I'm, I'm realistic, you know, I, I think it's important to have a realistic outlook. These are really 
um, amazing creatures, but they are animals and they also have good and bad days. So understanding them and and knowing that every day is not going to be a great or perfect day is a really important thing, you know, as a horse person, as a rider, as a trainer, those are all really, you know, important factors to, to think about on the daily. But I think one of my most um, favorite fa- failure stories, kind of a funny story <laughs> for, for me, which I always like to tell was um, when I was doing a hunter derby, probably about 15 years ago, the hunter derbies were sort of a new, uh, a new thing and just kind of getting started. And I had a really beautiful traditional hunter who was a beautiful mover and a beautiful jumper, but he was a really careful horse and we were doing an international derby. My entire family came to watch. Um, and I'm one of five boys. I'm the only, only person in the family who rides horses. So, um, it's sort of a unique thing for, for me personally in, in my family, but they all wanted to come to watch and they didn't always come to watch. So my dad and my mom and my brothers and their significant others or wives were there watching and I was coming to the last jump on the course and it was a trot jump. And, um, I thought we were, we were home free, but unfortunately, like I was saying earlier, things don't always go as Uh planned. And anyways, the horse ended up kind of having a bobble step and then I leaned up the neck and I thought we were going to be jumping, but he had other plans that day. (laughs) So he, he ended up stopping and I sort of slowly, slid up the neck and as I was sliding up the neck all I could think about was oh my gosh my family's here watching and they're so mortified and I was winning this class and you know they kind of think I'm a winner so that I was trying to prove that you know I can do this but um fell off over the head and they landed in the jump and then the horse sort of spooked at me in the middle of the jump so he sat backwards and when he sat backwards he sat on his fake tail which (sighs) then fell out so then after the fake tail fell out, the bridle fell off. Of and I just remember standing up and thinking, oh my gosh, my horse's tail is 10 feet that way. The bridle is 10 feet that way. No. Here I am. So I put the jump back together. I was trying to be helpful to the to the ring crew guys. <laughs> and um, placing flowers back in place as my horse was being caught by uh, my groom. Probably should have gone to the horse first. But in that moment, I was sort of embarrassed not thinking about that. And then I... <laughs> Just sort of how to, you know, I think it's important for us to make light of, you know, be humble and laugh at yourself at times. So I picked up the fake tail and just sort of whirled it around my head like I did a little rodeo move with the fake tail. And then (laughs) the crowd was um, was into it. They were laughing at me. So it all uh, it all everyone was fine. I was okay. The horse was fine. And, you know, it was a learning experience. Definitely. Uh, I hope you have pictures of that. (laughs) <laughs> I I have a video of it. There is oh, a amazing. Video, there's a great video. Oh gosh, that's so funny. But yes, exactly. It's a very like you said, humbling sport and there are obviously the best of the best. Don't you, you it's impossible to win all the time. You're going to have days oh, that absolutely. obviously don't go to plan and that's kind of the beauty of the sport for sure. Um I think a big part of your program too has always been kind of like a catch riding component as well. Um, when did you start kind of picking up catch rides in your career? Absolutely. I started catch riding when I was about 12 years old. And I actually used to show up to the stables on my bicycle and put my saddle on the front of my handlebars and drive around and ask all the other trainers at the facility if they needed any help riding for the day. So I had a passion for for catch riding at a very young age. And I loved just being able to get on as many horses a day as possible. And that's sort of where the love of catch riding started. I remember the first time I went to um, a horse show, I got to catch ride. 
I got to show like 10 ponies. And I think that was like the best day of my life. I think it was the most fun I ever had. It was just so awesome. And it was you know, on a lower level and not a, a big scale, but it was really, really fun. And that's where I really started to develop the passion for, you know, getting on, you know, random horses and just acclimating to them quickly and learning mm -hmm. how that horse likes to be ridden and how they like to go. And that's a really, I think, a, an act that I learned from a young age that helped me actually till recent days where I was champion last year in the World Champion Hunter Rider program at Capital Challenge and won yeah. the world finals. And that's a place where you get to, you know, catch ride and switch on to the four horses that in the night class. And I think that my earlier days as a kid, um, catch riding really helped me in that moment and just being able to get on new horses and, and understand them right away was a super helpful tool. Definitely. When you are getting on a horse for the first time, walk me through your thought process of what you're kind of doing to figure that horse out. Honestly, this may come across as silly, but the first thing I do is like meet the horse. I introduce my, you know, I let them, yeah. I pet them on the neck. I want them to know they're going to be in good hands and horses are smart mm -hmm. and they're intuitive and they pick up on things. And I think that first of all, meeting them in a nice approach, petting them, letting them smell your hands a little bit um, and just kind of getting to know you for a second. That's the first step I always do before I get a leg up on a horse. And then right away when I get on a horse, I just sort of have a long, loose rein and let the horse um, adapt to, I kind of learn what they, what they like, what they mm -hmm. don't like. You know, some horses like a lot of pressure, some horses like no pressure. So that first couple laps trotting around, I just tend to start on a looser rein and let them kind of warm up. And then I start to sort of adjust the buttons and, and figure out what level they like, you know, whether they like a little bit more leg or less leg or where they like my hands to go and the amount of pressure I apply in their mouth. So that's sort of on the flat, the first step in getting to know a horse. And then you pick up the canner and kind of get a little bit more warmed up and, you know, and, and practice the forward, the back, collect, extend. Mm -hmm. And those are all really important gears. It's like trying out a new car. You got to kind of test the pedals and see where, you know, your gas pedal is and your brake is and how sensitive that that horse is or not to all of those aids and then you can start to jump right you know it's just all about understanding and learning what the horse wants and, and trusting that they that they're going to be responsive to you and you know i i tend to study you know horses beforehand i like to watch a lot of videos i like to kind of know the other competitors horses because you never know when you might be asked to catch ride one of those horses or if you're going to look at it for sale you kind of know how they go and what they like, you know, mm -hmm. that's one of the things that um, I, I find really helpful to me when I'm catch riding a horse and just having a little bit of a a, a mindset beforehand, knowing what that horse might be um, good at and what they might not be quite as good at. Right. I feel like one of the big challenges of catch riding could be, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a, a kind of a can be a tricky dynamic of not having the horse necessarily in your care and your program prior to competing. And then, you know, like not knowing exactly where yeah. they're at, especially with hunters, like quietness level, like prep level. So how do you kind of navigate that? That's a really, really good question. You know, I, one of the things I love most about riding is knowing my horses and the more you know your horse and how to prepare them, the better. So when you're catch riding and someone else is doing the training, you know, and you're sort of clueless as to how they prepared the horse or what they did to get it ready. That's a little bit more of a, a scary, you know, a fine line. And you kind of have to, at that point, rely on the fact that your relationships with people, that they're telling you the truth about everybody, all the horses and stuff. So that's a hard line, you know, and I've certainly had been given the reins, you know, nowadays further in my career of some pretty nice horses, but it wasn't always that way. And in the beginning, I'd have to catch ride naughty horses or horses that, you know, needed a little bit of fine tuning. And again, I just 
I, I firmly believe that horses learn to like their riders. And if something was going wrong or they had an issue, it's probably, you know, human based, um, our mistakes we've made as, as riders. So mm -hmm. really giving a horse confidence in the schooling ring before you go in the ring is, um, very important. You know, I, I try to listen to trainers when they tell me things about their horses, but I right. also, I know enough about myself to know that I have to listen to the horse first. So I try to really prioritize, you know, what they're saying mixed with what my gut feeling is telling me about the horse and kind of blend the two together to get the outcome. And, um, cause there's a lot a horse can tell you when you're catch riding a horse and you're getting to know them. And there's a lot they can, they can get confidence and, and get better from pretty quickly if you give them the right ride. Definitely. Do you ever wonder what a world would be like to have pets and not deal with the massive amounts of pet hair everywhere? If you're a pet owner, you know how frustrating it can be to clean up pet hair from your furniture, your carpet, your clothes, you name it. Well, Uproot Clean understands the struggle. They have these pet hair remover tools that help gently remove entangled pet hair from carpeted stairs, car mats, furniture, clothing, and even saddle pads. We tested Uproot Cleaner Pro on a variety of surfaces, including my favorite blanket at home, my couch, and definitely tried those saddle pads. We were so impressed with how well it removed pet hair from all of these surfaces, and it was so satisfying to use. The Uproot Cleaner Pro is a great tool for all pet owners. It's super affordable, easy to use, and it's really effective at removing pet hair from a number of places. So whether you have a dog or cat that sheds like crazy, I am thinking about those black yoga pants that just get covered in hair every time you're trying to leave the house and a lint roller just won't do, or us equestrians having horses, especially during shedding season, where literally you can use a saddle pad one time and then it is just coated in hair. Uproot Cleaner is the way for you. So visit their website at uprootclean.com. That's U-P-R-O-O-T-C-L-E-A-N.com for more information and to take a look at their awesome products. Yeah, I think communication and understanding as much as you can from the horse is key. And then also, obviously, from um, communicating as much as you can with the current program. I know we um, somewhat recently got a horse that you were catch riding, um, Reddington. Yeah. And I think like having that communication as far as like what prep was like, what he's like in the ring versus at home, like all of those kinds of conversations are, are so helpful because, you know, the more, you know, the, the yeah. sooner you can find that success. Absolutely. You know, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a great home base. My farm in California is, is my own farm. So it's really nice. I have a really good layout, um, lots of turnout and a lot of space for the horses. And nice. I feel like a happy horse is a happy competitive horse. So, you know, like you said, so much of the of the setup and the structure just depends on how the horse is being, you know, raised behind closed doors, you know, what they're doing when they're not at the horse show and how their mindset is because they're delicate and horses yeah. can change and, you know, different, um, different parts of the country offer different climates and certain horses like certain climates and don't like others. And, there's just a lot of factors that go into it. So, so knowing, you know, all of those things and components are always super helpful. Definitely. And I feel like in California, having that, having that space is hard to come by. So being able oh, to have a program with that is amazing. 
you know, my, my farm's a little bit unique because my horses have to get a little bit acclimated to some strange looking creatures. We have, you know, a lot of different farm animals at my house. We have zebras and camels and oh, cool. emus and birds and all sorts of different creatures that you don't normally see at a, at a typical horse show. So my horses are kind of not, I want to say numb, but they're adjusted to the daily life of seeing these weird creatures. So they're kind of like, they're used to it. Yeah. Whereas um, I feel like that gives my horses a little bit of upper hand at the horse shows because they get to the horse show and they think a golf cart going by is no big deal. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, definitely. That's definitely a, a good aspect to have in a horse for sure. Instead of having the eyes bug out of their head and yeah. you know, when a bush moves or. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so your show days, I have to imagine, get insanely busy. You're putting in so many rounds. Um, tell me a little bit about how you try to structure, you know, how much you take on. Have you found like a sweet spot? Give me a little rundown of what, what a show day typically looks like for you. Absolutely. So typically I show in approximately between 30 and 50 classes a day, which is a very busy uh, a day for me. But I really enjoy, you know, at this point in my career, I've become more selective and I've obviously had to narrow down with my own balance with my clients and what their horses and their needs are with my catch riding. So I've definitely slowed down. I think my record uh, once upon a time was about 82 classes in Stop. one day. Yeah, which was pretty crazy. But yeah. I think on average now, my my typical show day is between probably 12 to 17 horses a day, which could be like 30 to 50 rounds a day. Yeah. And um, it's really helpful to have a good um, crew on the ground. You know, it's really nice to have people that can bring you lunch and bring you drinks when you're thirsty or hungry because we start showing at 8 a.m. and it kind of just kind of goes through the whole day until about four or five o'clock. But um, I love it. It's It keeps me um, really energized and my adrenaline from showing and competing helps me get through the day. But it's it's really fun to have so many nice horses to ride. I I love what I do. It's so fun every day to wake up and, and just do it again and make it better. You know, I, I, it's so nice this day and age, we have so much technology and videos to watch and study, which is a huge part of the dynamic I have to catch, ride and show. I just get to go home at night and decompress, but watch all the horses go from the day and see what we could do better tomorrow. Definitely. I mean, obviously with getting so much ring time, I, I'd imagine maybe like an, an average day or an average class doesn't get you maybe as nervous as, as it yeah. used to, but do you get nervous? I mean, is it mostly for the big classes? What's your kind of mental game? Everyday horse showing, it kind of becomes like the norm. It's sort of like just, you, you end up just sort of knowing where all the jumps are out of the turn. It kind of almost becomes yeah. like clockwork, but you, def you know, definitely get that extra little bit of butterflies in your stomach before a big class or a, a derby or a class you really want to perform and do well in. I, I always say that it's good to be nervous you know i think a lot of people get that feeling before they compete but i i think that it's a good thing it kind of drives you to focus and it makes you want to i know for myself it makes me want to do better and when i get those butterflies before either a big derby or a grand prix it certainly um is a good thing for me and I, it, it just pushes me to try a little bit more and and put more focus into it and perfect whatever it is we're trying to perfect right Definitely. Um, and then speaking of mental game, let's say you are showing, you know, 40, 50 classes in a day and you start kind of going down, down like a little bit of a slump. Like, how do you kind of take that and try to turn it around to, to finish your day on a high note? Honestly, it's, it's one of those things where you just have to, again, wake up every day knowing that it's going to have its ups and downs. Yeah. You know, there's, 
in 30 or 50 rounds, there's going to be some great rounds and there's going to be some that are not as good. You know, when it starts to, you know, kind of go down and there's a slump, you know, you just really have to give each horse you're riding and each new each new horse to get on the benefit of the doubt and not carry over any of your negative vibes. You know, like I said, horses are very intuitive right. and they get a feeling from what you're feeling. So it's also something I try to train into my clients. You know, when you have a bad round or your horse stops or you have a big mistake, you have to kind of shake it off and not carry it with you. You got to just really move on and get a really good mindset and clear mindset for the next horse. And if you're only showing one horse or two horses a day, you know, if you're a junior or an amateur and you only have a couple horses to show, it's really important to to not carry baggage with you. And I think that's a, actually a really strong point and really important to reiterate to people is, you know, you got to let it go. You got to forget about it. You got to carry over a positive attitude and a positive vibe, because if you're negative, it's only going to get worse and the horses right. are going to know that and it's going to kind of carry over. So it's very important to approach each horse and each day with a new uh, glasses half full type of mentality. You recently celebrated a huge milestone. You've won over $5 million in hunter earnings. What does a milestone like that mean to you in your career? It is extremely exciting. I mean, I actually just still pinch myself for that's yeah. even a true fact. I didn't even know I was in the contention of that. You know, it's like one of those things that you just sort of work and ride and do You're all just this on the grind. It. Yeah. Yeah, it's on, we're on the grind and kind of just keep going. And I don't really have a notebook at my house and keep adding every dollar to it <laughs> and keep track of it. But uh, when I found out that I was in the $5 million club, it was very exciting. It was actually a very proud moment in my life. You know, I, this is what I do for my, for not just for my living, but for, this is what I do. You know, it's not just yeah. a job, it's my whole lifestyle. So it just made me feel really um, excited and proud of all of the horses that have helped me get to this point. And, you know, all of the hours and, 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 and hard work that's gone into it. You know, we travel a lot, we're gone a lot, we're on the road and, you know, just trying to achieve what everyone else is trying to achieve, you know, trying to just produce good horses. A lot of my career has been buying and selling and importing horses, which I love to do. And um, being able to show and, and catch ride has certainly helped in earning that $5 million mark. So I appreciate all of the other trainers and owners and clients who have, you know, given me horses to show over the years and, um, it's just a really cool thing. It just sort of validates and makes all of it really come to light and really worth all of the grind that we go through on the daily. But I wouldn't have it any other way, whether I was a $5 million or a $5 mark. It's it's all yeah. still so fun and so exciting. But it's kind of cool to see how our industry and our world is, is actually something to really look at from the outside world as a really important sport. And it's it's a sport that is um very physical and and also mentally consuming and it's rewarding when the times are good what would you say is something that you're passionate about in the industry that you feel like people either don't talk a lot about or don't know enough about i don't know one thing i'm really i think passionate about is sort of the new age of horsemen growing up and when you know juniors turn into professionals i feel like people right now assume they're going to just be handed the reins on on nice horses and just step right into the professional ranks and be at the top you know mm -hmm. and i can remember for years and years being a young professional being in those shoes and 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 being frustrated and in you know going in the ring and feeling like i had really good rounds but i wasn't being rewarded for it or those you know just really wanting to be at the top right away and it's it is true you know time takes you know uh, it takes time and you have to be patient and you have to kind of earn your dues earn your keeps and um, pay your dues and work really hard. And that's something that 
I think this generation needs to keep track of. I'm passionate about, you know, helping hardworking, you know, riders that are coming up the ranks and, and providing for them. Like I've, I recognize, you know, Skylar Weirman is a, a really good uh, example of a junior rider that's sort of now stepping into the professional ranks. Yeah. But I really always made it a point to give her horses to ride when she was younger. And she was such a hard worker. And I really cherish that she'd be on the tractor dragging the ring in the morning. She helped me change my tires on my trailer that went flat. You know, she's just one of those kids that was just as excited and enthusiastic and hungry to do well as I was. And I, I really try to reward that and give back because now I'm in a place where I can and I, I want to. And it's that's something that is really fun, you know, and I, I think that the world and our world needs more more young riders like that that are willing to really be in this for the you know the long haul and not just for the Instagram post. Sure. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a really great point. And um, especially because you've personally been through that and want, you know, like wanting to prove to the rest of the industry, wanting to, you know, see your hard work pay off. And then so to now be in your position and see other young professionals doing that is really cool. Yeah. Well, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I think your story is so cool and so exciting and continues to be more and more successful. So thanks for taking the time and I wish you all the best. Thank you. It was an absolute pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you so much. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.